All right. Well, this is the, as you know, the last week of Reckless. Sorry, Vivian. I'm making Vivian cry up here. So, <laughs> last week of Reckless. And, um, man, I, as we finish the year tonight, I want to just have a minute just for us to celebrate a, a few things that we've seen, some things that as I look back over the last year, um, I'm celebrating, I'm thanking God for. So it's crazy to think that it was last year at this time that we're like, hey guys, we're moving to Sunday night. And I feel like in a lot of cases it was met with applause, like you guys were excited about that. And so it was cool for us, like didn't really know what this was gonna look like. This is the first time since I've been here that we've had Reckless on Sunday night or really done anything on Sunday night. And so not really sure what that was gonna look like. And, um, and yet we had so many of our leaders that jumped in and, um, and made, helped make that transition happen. And then so many of you guys have been involved this year. And so we actually had 393 different students that came to Reckless over the course of the year, which is really cool. We saw um, nine students, nine of you trust Christ as your savior over the course of the year, which is always, always exciting. I had a chance to follow up with, with students and that kind of thing. So uh, it's really awesome when you, when you make the, uh, the most important decision that you can ever make. Um, we had 30, over 30 of you that served in some capacity at Reckless, and I'm talking students, to, on, on our guest services team, set up and tear down. We have, I don't know if you know this, we had a group of, of students who would show up early and then would, while everybody else was hanging out and having fun in the atrium, they're like tearing down signs and going and picking up stuff around the parkway and that kind of thing. So I just appreciate our set up and tear down team. Uh, we had a group of students led by Caleb Park who did our podcast all year long, which is really cool. Um, we had a group of students, um, Ashley Burnsed and Cooper and Avery Post and some others that were involved in our YouTube video every week. So um, trying, to, trying to provide an online option for, for you if you can't be here on a Sunday night in person, but also for students who can't be here um, at all. We've got students even that don't even live in our community that are a part of some of our virtual groups every Sunday night through YouTube. So that's really cool. Um, and I've, I've said this for years, like we want, we want as many of you as possible to have ownership of our ministry, that it's not my thing, it's not our uh, like small group leaders thing, it's not the adults, it's your thing, like reckless is yours. And that you feel the ownership of that and that you're contributing in multiple ways to help make what we do every single Sunday night better. And so, so many of you guys have jumped in and I'm really grateful for that. Um, I mentioned the offering a few minutes ago. So we have collected this year just over $5,000 for our reckless offering, which is really incredible. And, um, and that, I guess that deserves a golf clap, which is what that was. But, but what, one of the things that I thought was in, incredible is that that's the most money that we've ever collected for our reckless offering. Um, so yeah, more than a golf clap. It, that really is, really is incredible. And until um, Lauren Marshall told me that, I, did, I wouldn't have expected that. Um, and yet that's like, as you trace back all the years we've been collecting our reckless offering, that's, you guys have given, been more generous this year. And with few of you, I think is even more incredible. Like the years that we had three or 400 students in this room, like we still weren't collecting that much. And so you guys have legitimately been generous and have given more than um, we've collected any other year. And God's gonna use that to, uh, to help other people in a huge way. So we had 58 students and leaders this year in Nicaragua, which is, we've talked about that. And it is, that trip is always amazing. 
And I always wanna challenge every single one of you if for you to, to make that happen for you, for you to talk to mom and dad, for you to make that a priority, come with us to Nicaragua because it will, it will transform your faith. And this past year, that trip is always amazing. This trip in, in, in some specific ways just made it one of the best trips that we've experienced to see some of the things that God did. Some of the miracles that he performed um, are really, really incredible. And so we're grateful for that. And then one of the things that I've loved this year, this is something new that we did when we started All In back last summer, um, as just an opportunity to, to think, hey, what we're doing for two hours on a Sunday night or when we were doing Wednesday night to help equip you in your faith, listen to me, because this is a big deal. What we do for two hours on a Sunday night in a, in a large group and then a small group is just not enough. Like if that's all the spiritual development, if that's all the encouragement you get, if that's the only time that you spend with other believers and being encouraged in your faith and growing in your relationship with Jesus, it's just not enough. If you're truly gonna be the next generation of the church with where the culture's at and how much more difficult it is to, to live out your faith, it's just not enough for you to overcome all of the obstacles and all of the things that, that I think your, your generation is up against. And so last year at this time, I really felt that, maybe more than I ever have before, that we've got to do more to equip you and to help you in your faith. And so All In was in part like a response to that of just giving you an opportunity. Hey, let's dive in deeper to some of these things that we believe. And so 98 of you over the last year have been involved in taking significant steps, growth in your faith, in the essentials of what you believe, what you believe in why, spiritual disciplines, biblical worldview, like so many of the things that we've dove into over the last year um, to equip you. And, and I believe like for the students that have been involved in that, just seeing like your faith deeper and stronger than maybe it was um, before that. And so I'm really just grateful to God that we've had the, the privilege and the opportunity to be able to do that. So it's been a really cool year in, in some cool ways. And so tonight we bring this year to an end um, with our last week of the series different. And so as we've done all year, we said we wanna raise up the next generation of the church. And part of that is to help you understand how and why you're to be set apart from the world around you. How if you're just a Christian that looks like everybody else around you, then are you really the type of follower of Jesus that he's calling you to be? Are you, like, in so many ways, you're to be set apart to look different, to act different, to have belief, different belief systems and different values and all those kind of things. And so over the course of this series, we've been trying to dive into those kind of things to help you understand what that looks like. Now, as we uh, begin tonight, I want to start by just asking you to think through this question, all right? What was, think back to like the most incredible trip that you've ever taken, whether it's a vacation, um, a trip that you took, like the, as you look back to like, man, I went on this thing, um, the best place you've ever been to, it might've been grandma's in the summer of 2018, or it may have been like the Grand Canyon, or you went to the beach one year, or a rush experience that you had, or like whatever the case may be. Just think through, what was that trip that you took what was that best, that best experience that you've ever had, all right? And what I want you to do is I want, I, want, I want to know what that is. I want you to tell me what that is, okay? So on the count of three, you're going to tell me what that was, all right? Just yell out the place that you went to that was the best trip you've ever been, all right? Three, two, one, go.
All I heard was Disney World and blah, that's all I heard. I, I got a Disney World. How many of you guys was Disney World? All right. Yeah, three of you, five of you, six of you, not many of you. All right. So what's funny about Disney World is when I think back to, it, when I was thinking about this question, it reminded me of the time that we, to, we took our kids to Disney back in like 2015. And, um, and my, my family, like our family as a whole had never been to Disney before. And it was one of those things like his parents were like, are we bad parents that we've never taken our, our kids to Disney? And we felt like we were. Um, we felt the pressure of that. And D- Disney had made us feel like we were bad parents. And so we we're like, all right, we got to do this thing. We got to take, take our kids to Disney. And so we, we did. And we took them and, it, and we had an amazing time at Magic Kingdom. And we opened the place up and we shut that place down. And I've never seen my kids more exhausted in their life. It was incredible. But as I think back about that, that time, um, what I remember most was their reaction when we told them that we were taking them to Disney. Take a look at this. I told you we were such bad parents, they didn't even believe us when we told them. They're like, you're lying. You're full of crap. You're not taking us to Disney. You're a terrible parent. So we, um, we did and had an amazing trip. But here's what, like, obviously as I look back at that time, I remember, like, their excitement and even the, the crying, whatever that was. Um, just, like, the, almost the disbelief of that. And so they had, like, as I look back on that, they had so much anticipation for that trip, and we only gave them a short window. It was like, hey guys, next Friday we're going. So they had like a week to prepare. Um, but when you have a destination in mind, you live in preparation for that. When you have a destination in mind, you live in preparation for that. When, when your heart and your mind is set on something, it consumes you, right? I mean, you plan for it. You dream about it. You have your hope set on what that thing could be, whatever that's gonna look like. And whether it's Disney or grandma's house or whatever, like we all kind of feel that in those moments when you've got something that you set your heart and your mind on. 
And I believe as followers of Jesus that we've been called to set our attention and our focus on a destination that's waiting for us. It's something that in so many ways it sets us apart from the world around us. And it gives us hope. If you have your Bibles tonight, you can open to Colossians chapter three and we're gonna spend just a minute in this. The apostle Paul just gives us some instructions and here's what he says. Verse one, he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Now, the Apostle Paul has some really powerful things to say in those couple verses about a destination that you and I are called to set our hopes and our attention and our focus on, and that's heaven. This destination that God has called us to is is one of the things, many things that sets us apart from what the world sets their hopes and their attention and their focus on. And there is, as you unpack some of these verses, like there's some assumptions that the Apostle Paul makes. First of all, he assumes that his listeners have been raised to new life in Christ. He's like, since you've been raised to new life in Christ. In other words, for you and I, if we're followers of Jesus, that's something that's taken place for us. We've been set free from our sins. We have put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. And because of that, we're no longer dead in our sin. We've been raised to new life. So he's talking to followers of Jesus. He's talking to people who have put their their faith and trust in Jesus. The other assumption that he makes is he says, when Christ, who is your life? He makes the assumption for us as followers of Jesus that Christ is not just an add-on to our life, he is our life. He makes an assumption that if you and I are followers of Jesus, Jesus is everything to us. He doesn't have to qualify that. He doesn't say, hey, if you're here or if you're here or Jesus may be your life or he may just be part of your life. No, he's like, look, Christ, who is your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Jesus is your life. So he makes some assumptions and he makes everything in these couple verses about Jesus. Jesus is the main thing. He says, since we have been raised to new life with Christ, since Jesus is seated in heaven, since Jesus is our life, everything, like our focus and our attention, our anticipation should be on heaven. That this world that we live in is not our home. That this is not our final destination. That this, what we see with our physical eyes is not all there is. It's not all there will be. That you and I were made for an eternity with Christ. Now, how many of you guys have been with us to Nicaragua? Show of hands. All right. So a lot of you guys have been before. Now, Think back, to, for those of you guys that have been before, think back to the first time that you came with us. And it may have been this past year, maybe you came a couple years ago with us. Um, but think back to that time when you came to Nicaragua for the first time. Like how much anticipation did you have with that trip? I mean, how much did it consume like everything that you, that you thought about, your mind and the expectations that you had? I mean, think about all the preparation 
that you went into for that one week in Nicaragua? I mean, you, the trip was in February, but you didn't sign up the week before and you go, you know what? I think like the week before, yeah, I'll, I'll try that out. No, like you signed up like at the beginning of the year, right? In September or whatever, like six months beforehand. It wasn't a last minute decision. It wasn't one of those things you're like, yeah, I guess I'll do this. No, there was, your mind was made up months, maybe even years in advance, especially with us not being able to go last year. Maybe it took years for you to convince mom and dad to let you sign up for the trip. Like in so many ways, it wasn't just the moment you signed up. You're like, yeah, sure, I'll go. No, it may have been years in the making of you deciding and thinking through, yes, I wanna take this trip. I wanna be a part of this experience. There was a lot of preparation that went into it. And then you've got all this money that you've gotta raise. Like there's a ton of investment and work that you've gotta spend being able to raise $2,000 to be able to go on this trip. You had to, there was a lot of mental preparation for you to think, man, I've never been out of the country before. I've never been on a plane before. Or like mentally, there's so many things for you to wrap your mind around and go, what is this gonna be about? And I've gotta prepare for this. And I'm, I'm not sure what my expectations should be here. Like there's so, there were so many from a mental standpoint, so much mental preparation. And then there were like in the month leading up to it, like there was a ton of trainings and like us meeting together as a team to talk through what we're gonna be doing and just to prepare from a mental standpoint and like relationships and all of the things to make sure that we were as prepared and ready for when we got to that country, when we got on that trip, that we were ready for what was about to take place. And I think the same is true for us as followers of Jesus, that while we are on this earth, we should spend so much time preparing for what's next. Like what we do in this life impacts eternity. And so we should be doing everything possible to prepare for what's gonna come after this life. Some of you guys may have heard the quote like, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Have you ever heard that quote before? And it feels like, yeah, that sounds like something you should say. But like, as I thought through that, I'm like, how realistic is that? Like if we're really, as Paul's saying here, to set your sights on the reality of heaven, if you are so consumed with what God has prepared for you and the hope of eternity and all of the amazing experiences that, that's gonna be a part of that, if it consumes everything about you, is it really gonna make you no earthly good? Like, it's not like you're just sitting in class just daydreaming about some, like, you know, other planet that you're gonna be on one day, and everybody's like, yo, snap out of it. Like, wake up, wake up, get back to reality. Like, this is the here and now. Because, like, the more you think about what's next, and as we're said, to set our sights on the reality of that and to think about that and to prepare for that, like, all of a sudden, the more we think about that, the more we're gonna realize, man, there's like what I do matters every day. Like this isn't just like go through the motions, like just do whatever you want because everything we do in this life is gonna impact eternity. In his book, Mere Christianity, here's what C.S. Lewis says. He says, a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking but one of the things that a Christian is meant to do. 
So it's not like, man, I just want all my problems to go away, so I'll just think about heaven and like kind of this like form of escaping the reality. Like that's what we're meant to do, to set our sights on ultimately what God's gonna do. And so heaven is a reality that we live in. It's not a fairy tale that we wish for. It is meant to be a reality that we live in, not just like one day, like, hey, that's gonna, I can't wait for that day, but like it's a reality that we live in now, that we set our sights on that reality every single day as we live, that it becomes in so many ways an anchor for our soul. So how can we do that? Let me give you two quick things. How can we live in the reality of heaven? The first thing, don't make temporary things the priority of your life. Paul says to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. He says, dwell on the eternal things, the things that are gonna last forever, not the things that are temporary, not the things that have a short shelf life. But we don't do that, do we? I mean, so much of what we think about, all of our attention, our focus, our priority is on the here and now. Like, I would say for the majority of us, like 98% of the things that we think about or like, what do I want to do today? And what am I going to do tomorrow? And what about that truck that I'm going to buy? And what about this class that I'm going to sit in? And what about this phone that I want? And what about this relationship? And like everything that we do is all focused on the, the here and the now. It's all on the things that we want. I mean, we value and prioritize, in all honesty, what the world values and prioritizes. I mean, in so many ways, when it comes to this, like we're to have a different priority system and value system that's based on eternity that all of a sudden impacts everything we do in this life. And so when the world around us is like finding all of their joy and significance in the temporary things, we go, nah, I'm, I'm just not going to get caught up in that because I know that that ultimately doesn't matter most. And it's not that we don't ever think about that stuff. It's just that we have our priorities in line and we don't make temporary things the priority of our life. I mean, we're to have different priorities. Maybe a, qu a good question that you can ask yourself um, as you're thinking about certain things, as you're thinking about decisions you've got to make or whatever, just to ask yourself, will this matter in eternity? And maybe even just that question may all of a sudden alter so many of the priorities that you have on a daily basis. Hey, before I get mad at this person, before I blow up this relationship over what just took place, before I make my life about this thing or, or this you know, particular situation or whatever, will it matter in eternity? And all of a sudden, maybe that causes us just to step back and go, man, maybe I need to handle that situation a little bit different. Maybe I need to think through my response in this moment. Maybe I don't need to blow up that relationship because what I do now matters in eternity. Maybe I need not to get so caught up in all the things that my friends are caught up in. Maybe I need to focus on what's gonna matter in the next life. Don't make temporary things the priority of your life. And then here's the second thing. Focus on what's promised, not what is. Focus on what's promised, not what is. Man, we focus so much attention on the state of the world currently, don't we? We flip on the news, we scroll social media, we see some of the current events, some of the things that are going on, and, and like, it's like, it's all bad. 
right? It's all terrible things that are taking place. We see the evil, the difficulty, the suffering, the, the brokenness. Like we see all of the stuff. And a byproduct of that is we just feel like in moments we're just overcome with fear and anxiety. And it just becomes too much for us. And I think we get so consumed with what is and it just creates more issues and more fear and all of those kind of things that we end up living with because of the state of, world, of, of the world around us. And when we only focus on what is, we may miss out on what God's doing. We may miss on some of those things that God may have in store. And I think there's opportunities for us to always look at, at the brokenness in the world or situations that we deal with from our friends or other people or even our own family and our heart breaks for that because God heart, God's heart breaks for that. And yet if we only see what is and go, well, this will never change and this is always gonna be bad and this is always gonna be terrible, then we may miss on what God may wanna do. We may miss out on the promises that God has of saying, hey, I can redeem anything. Hey, I can restore the most broken situation. Hey, don't count me out of what I can do in your life or in somebody else's life. Don't just focus on what is. Focus on some of the promises of who I am and what ultimately I can accomplish. That we're to focus on who Jesus is and what he's done and ultimately what he's going to do. And if we only focus on what is now, we will only see part of the picture. And so to give you a picture of what's to come, give you a picture of kind of the full scope, I want to read Revelation 21. All right, I don't want you just to allow your hearts and mind just to, to soak in the words of what is promised for us. This is what we're to set our hope in and what we are promised as followers of Jesus. Here's what it says in verse three. Then I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Can you just imagine that for a moment? And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. You guys, that is what's promised to us. I mean, can you feel your heart and your soul longing for that? Like, I think that's one of those things that we may all feel, like no matter how broken it is, like we're all in this broken state. We all live on this planet every single day and our hearts long for that place or that moment when that pain and that sin and that brokenness will end. Like we're all wired and, and been given that desire, that longing for what is next, what is to come, what is that promise, that, that thing that we can hope in that's beyond whatever it is that we experience in the here and now. And this is what God has promised for us. That moment when sin and death will be no more. That moment when Jesus will come and make everything new. 
And that is the reality that we live in every day. That is the hope that we live in with eager expectation for what's to come next. Here's our main point for us tonight. We are different because we don't live as if this world is our home and we don't hope in what this world has to offer. Man, I, I don't know how often you think about heaven. If it's not very much, then that's a problem. And there's some just situations and moments that just force us into that reality. And I know over the last couple of months with the loss of my dad, like I've, I've thought about heaven even more significantly than I have before. And like, I'm thinking about what his reality is right now. And that his reality now is gonna be my reality one day. And it just makes me long for it even more. It just makes me go, Jesus, come back. Like, when are you going to return? I long for that. I want that. And it's not one of those things that makes us go, well, let's just end our life and get there, right? I mean, that's not, that's not the goal. But the goal is for us to say, hey, there's a promise that has been given to us, that's been made available to us. And as followers of Jesus, that future is our reality to the point that it should change our today and the way that we live and the way that we prioritize our life and the things that we focus on and the things that, make, that matter to us. Knowing that, man, what we see is not all there is. What we're experiencing right now is not all that God's gonna do. That God's got more in store. God's got better in store. That the best is truly yet to come. And that we hope in that and no matter how broken the situation is, we go, Jesus, I'm trusting that you can redeem it and ultimately one day you will. And whether you do it now or whether you do it one day, Jesus, would you do it? And I'm trusting in that and longing and looking forward with eager expectation. You guys, that is what it looks like to be set apart. I often think like, Man, for an atheist or for someone that just doesn't believe any of this, I don't believe, they don't have any belief in a God or a next life, like, and all of a sudden, like, of course they're gonna make everything about this life. Like, it's all about, man, just live to the fullest, like, do whatever you want, like, just make everything about what you can accumulate and all the stuff that you can get because when your life is over and you breathe your last, like, it's all gone, it's all done. And yet for us, like we're called to something much bigger, much more incredible than that, that shapes everything that we do. So if you're in the room tonight, maybe you've never taken the step of salvation. Maybe you have never been made right with God. And so this is a, is a promise that's available to you as well. It's not just for the Christians in the room. It's available to you as a non-believer right now that by putting your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, you can be made right with God and this can be your future too and what you can long for and hope for. And so for the rest of us, may we live in that. May we look forward to that because Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. He's promised it. And so we should long for that and be ready and live our life in such a way that we're ready when Jesus returns and look forward to that. Let's pray together. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for this year. Thank you for all that you've done. 
And God, would you allow us to set our sights on the reality of heaven, to think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, to have a different value system and different priorities and to focus on things that really matter in eternity and to not get weighed down or caught up in the temporary, in the here and now. God, thank you that you've given us something bigger, something more incredible to long for, that even no matter how difficult it gets on this planet, God, that what you have promised for us one day can anchor us, can fill us with hope, and can make us live with eager expectation for that. God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.